Hello and welcome to First Flight, a Star Trek Enterprise rewatch podcast where we are watching and discussing each episode of Enterprise in succession. First Flight is a proud member of the Tricorder Transmissions Network. This is Commander Tucker of Enterprise. We've got some information you're going to want to hear. Welcome, Enterprise fans. I'm your co-host, Abby. And I'm your co-host, Chris. Tonight, we are discussing Vanishing Point, episode of Season 2. Vanishing Point was written by Rick Berman and Brandon Braga, was directed by David Strayton. It aired on November 27th, 2002. But... As always, before we begin our discussion, we need to issue our read alert. Tactical alert. All hands to stations. There are potential spoilers ahead. We might end up talking about any part of the series at any time, so you have been warned. All right, and now for a quick summary of the episode, it's time for the captain's log. Okay, Chris, let's go. Captain Starlog Supplemental. All right, Abby, uh, last episode, I said we should do a Dr. Seuss version, and I locked myself into that. So uh, here we go. I'm excited. I am not, but here we go. (laughs) (laughs) I might vanish after this episode. (laughs) All right, here we go. When a mirror doesn't mirror and the crew doesn't hear her, our Hoshi is real sad but she'll still take out the bad unless it's all in her head. (laughs) So bad. It's so bad. It has come full circle. (laughs) It has come full circle. Yeah. I love it. Got it all in there. All the plot points kind of. Absolutely. And you know, it's hard to condense something so long into something so short. So gold star. Sure. Thank you. (laughs) All right, so after that, it is time to deploy our subspace amplifiers and get into this episode. As always, we'll start with a quick chat about the cold open and then head into our pros and decons section. Each of us will share three of our favorite parts of the episode, and then if there are things that don't gel with us, we'll have a discussion on any decons from the episode. You might hear a dog bark in the discussion if somebody's Porthos pick is mentioned, but we'll still discuss them all later on. Okay, let's get into this episode. And as always, we start with the cold open. So, Abby, what are your thoughts on how this episode starts? Well, I have to say that, you know, a cave is classic Trek, and a cave with a storm is kind of double classic Trek, so I have to appreciate how many moments in every other Trek series this mirrors, because caves are just one of those go-to sets. So already it feels kind of warm and fuzzy when you first open, you're like, oh, it's going to be a cave. And even though they spend very little time there, I thought this was fun. It was nice to see Trip and Hoshi back and forthing. Yeah. Um, I like, yeah, I like their banter. I like that this whole episode, you kind of feel like, Trip and Malcolm are Hoshi's big brothers, and you see that in how they kind of razz her a little bit, how they're they're more relaxed around her now than they have been in the past when they're eating, when they're down on the planet and talking about, you know, Mr. Tall and Popular. It's just fun. It's nice to see that relationship. And even though this felt kind of like we just took Hoshi right out of her beginning of season one when she was extra nervous and 
extra anxious about things. I I appreciate that it wasn't being on the away mission, being in space. It was this completely untested thing that only a few people have gone through that even later on, you know, we find out everybody's kind of nervous about. So th- this was a nice way to set up this episode and a great cave set. So what about you, Chris? Anything to add about the cold open? Yeah, I like the cave set and it made me get some Stargate SG-1 vibes, like ke- checking out some ruins and, you know, figuring uh-huh. things out. That was fun. Um, the tall ones, that was funny. And and like you said, that <laughs> Hoshi trip dynamic was really fun. And, you know, we come to Star Trek for the characters that we love. And and I like these characters, especially in different um, combinations. So that was a fun combination. The old school kind of digital camera was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, that is a very old school camera, but yeah. It it looks like the cameras of the time one generation forward, which now we are, you know, keeping them in our pockets. So <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, we always have a camera. Yeah. So I also was interested in the fact that the shuttle pod can't weather the storm because of interference but we can convert your body to molecules and beam it up to the ship through the interference that's nothing let's do that i was like what (laughs) that breaks all star trek rules (laughs) you usually take the shuttle because the transport is you know interfered by atmospheric radiation or something so that break my my brain broke in that moment um so that was a con- kind of a contrived premise, but whatever. Here we go. Yeah, and you know what? It Again, this is one of those moments where you just kind of hand wave and go, well, early transporters, early shuttles, yeah, having compressed the matter stream, whatever. It makes for the, it, it moves the plot. It makes for the story to progress. So we'll just go with it. <laughs> yes, we have no choice. We're on for this ride. <laughs> All right, so do you have some pros? Because I definitely have some pros for this episode. Yeah, so do I. And in fact, I had more than I expected when I first sat down to to watch this because, yeah, I was like, you know, this one isn't really one of my favorites, even though it's Hoshi and I absolutely adore her. But it turns out there were a lot of things in here that I really enjoyed. And I think one of the things that I want to focus on, this being a Hoshi episode, is I like how this kind of mini arc of this episode kind of fits in with her her bigger arc. Like I said about the cold open, she feels like that season one Hoshi at the beginning of this episode even. And this is almost like if you didn't know anything about Hoshi, you could, you could see some of that growth just in this one episode. Mm. But I like how it shows, you know, even though she's nervous, she's anxious, she steps up every time, she figures something out, you see how smart she is. And I like the physicality of Linda Park in this episode showing and mirroring this, like it, when she first realizes that in this, in her mind, she has disappeared when she thinks nobody can see her. She is sitting on counters curled up. She is curled up on a Vulcan, not just because she's afraid to get run into, but because she feels small. She feels scared. You can see her whole body language is different. And as she gets braver and braver and braver with it, She's she's standing up. She's taking up more space. She's she's being bolder. It, it's just so many different layers of this journey of Hoshi. And we don't get nearly enough of this in the series overall. So I wanted to point out how 
how nice this is as just that one little self-contained snapshot of what her entire journey is going to be. Yeah, I mean, I think we've both gone on record saying we're Hoshi fans. And oh, so, yeah. you know, I hadn't seen this in maybe since first run or maybe a decade ago when I rewatched the series. I don't know. And so I was excited to jump into this and I was really enjoying it. Um, I remember having a sense like this isn't the best episode, but I was going through it and like, yes, Hoshi. And seeing her rise to the yeah. occasion and overcoming her, you know, her doubts. It's almost like um, that episode where Miles is like, what is going on? Everyone's against me. You know, that kind of suspicion episode. And yeah. she, she's doing well with it. And, you know, vanquishing the bad guys, jumping on the transporter pad, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I enjoyed that that look at Oshi, uh, Hoshi's character. As uh, she goes from like that timid reserve to really being the hero. And she's so smart the entire time. Like something that I feel she doesn't get enough credit for is this woman is absolutely brilliant. And what is one of her fears that we find out when in this episode, when her mind is creating the scenario is not being able to be that brilliant all the time that's the one of the first mm -hmm. times you see something being wonky like she is so smart and the sos and all those little details in there she mm. is smart and she steps up and she uses those smarts all the time and i i appreciate an episode that focuses on hoshi being smart even if she's still anxious it's okay like both of those are parts of her and like you said we see hoshi rise in the end yeah, Hoshi being brilliant is one reason I love Observer Effect as yeah. one of my favorite episodes. And uh, yeah, the SOS. Ah, oh, I loved it. So yeah. good. So good. And you feel like, oh my gosh, she's going to get through to him. And then mm, DePaul talks him out of it. <laughs> I know. I know. But, but yeah, it was a great Hoshi little moment because she's going to use whatever she can. A blinky light, yep. fine. She's going to yep. make use of it. She's she's the communications officer. She'll communicate yes. however she can. Exactly. And eventually it all works out. All right, so let's move on to you, Chris. What is your very first pro for this episode? Well, I think I've said it before. I love Hoshi and Phlox. And so he... You know, people are always dismissive of her during this situation. And he kind of is, but he still talks with her and listens and says, oh, yeah, you wouldn't find me in that. And and I love when they have this little exchange and Phlox basically says, you wouldn't catch me using that, that apparatus. <laughs> but I, uh, I can promise you one thing. You're in perfect health. You're neither transparent nor porous. You won't put this on my medical record, will you? As far as I'm concerned, I didn't even see you come in here. Not funny, doctor. <laughs> I laughed out loud. A fun little jokey moment from like a father figure to her. That's kind of, you know, they're kind of that kind of dynamic there. And you got to think that he has had kids Hoshi's age because he's yeah. a lot older than we think. And so like he slips into that dad mode perfect with her, even with dad jokes. Um, so that made me chuckle. And of course, I'll always call out a great Hoshi flocks scene. 
Oh, absolutely. And I am so glad you picked that because it was one that I had to cut when I was going through all the rest of my things. And I'm like, you know what? I bet Chris is going to pick that. I'm so glad you did because <laughs> this is one of my favorite relationships of the series as well. I love the two of them together because both of them are overall very positive, but they can both be very serious. And you see both sides of them in this episode with mm. each other and with other people. And yes. that's, that's so beautiful to see. And for Hoshi to go to Flax to trust him, not just with her body, but with, with her mental state, like, mm -hmm. yes, he's the doctor, but he's also her friend. I mean, she comes down and catches his bat for him occasionally, as we well know. So <laughs> this, this is just nice to see that relationship. And it is, and it's so warm and it's so caring and it's so trusting and, it's like I said, it's nice to see them building this still. And I, we know that we get these little snippets of it here and there a lot of times as B plot, but I really like that this one got a front and center seat. And and we got multiple scenes with them, right? Yes. It's a recurring pattern. So what is your next pro? Okay. So this one is a little personal, but I really like, the kind of running joke of Cyrus Ramsey in this. <laughs> now, I have to say that it takes place in Madison, Wisconsin, which is an hour and a half from where I live and where my husband did his undergraduate work. So maybe I'm a little biased in there. But I like how this is something that Hoshi's brain thinks up. I like that it's repeated, you know, from the boys when they're in the mess hall and then Phlox brings it up again, too. And that's part of that relationship between the two of them back and forth thing about, you know, oh, my God, that they talk about him on Denobula, too. And like just <laughs> that she can have that kind of response with him and it, it, it feels comfortable enough. So I really like that. But then I like how when she comes out of the transporter, she says it and it turns out not to be a thing that was just completely unnecessary, but so beautiful. That is how you do an internal running joke in an episode that isn't necessarily a funny episode, but that was a funny running gag throughout. And I just, I really like that. And it's, it's one of those jokes that you, you can deep cut a Star Trek enterprise fan with Cyrus Ramsey and you, and you know who, who your fellow enterprise heads are because they'll get that one. Yeah. I mean, this is just like the chair running joke and <laughs> In singularity, right? Uh -huh. So we have two yep. episodes now, these long, well-developed jokes throughout an entire yeah. episode that has a good punchline at the end. And that punchline at the end, you know, it made me laugh too, but also it worked on another level. Haven't we all had a dream that we thought oh, yeah. we learned a fact in that dream yep. and it was so real? And then we whip it out some other time and you're like, wait a minute, that's not real. That was just in my <laughs> yeah. head. <laughs> yeah. So like that, that really struck home for me there. Yeah. And I think it was, it's funny because Hoshi is just absolutely convinced and you can see and her recovery from it is so good too, as she's putting all these pieces together and you can see that little head shake she gives when she's like, Oh geez, that was all just me. Never mind. <laughs> like, <laughs> And they're cool enough to let it just play off too. And that's that relationship between all of them again that just it, they are becoming a family like archer says that to hoshi's dad but the, you see that in this episode these these guys really are a family now yeah thanks cyrus ramsey <laughs> <laughs> yes 
All right, so let's move on to your second pro then, Chris. What else did you like in this episode? All right, I also loved the moody piano. What? That's it. There's more moody piano throughout the whole episode. And, you know, we're having this string of moody episodes from from Enterprise and the composers are bringing that piano. I don't recall so much piano in any other Star Trek series. Um, So this is really interesting and I want to see where it's going. Are we getting more piano next week? (laughs) You know, I... I I have to say, this is on my notes too, and I call it creepy, tense, mystery piano soundtrack because <laughs> that's exactly what it is. And I was thinking to myself, one of the multiple times I watched this, how different would this episode have been if it didn't have that soundtrack in like the first third to half of it? Like yeah. if you just had normal background enterprise music, like... Mm-hmm. And you would have thought that something was going on with Hoshi's and it was all in her head because you wouldn't have had those clues. But that's part of what makes the first part of this episode so fun is that we're in on it with Hoshi. And I think the soundtrack is a big part of that because we're meant to have that same emotional feeling and it's helping us get there. So very good pick. And I have to say it jumped out to me, too. So that's twice tonight that you've pulled things right off my list so nice job (laughs) all right well let's see what's on your list again (laughs) all right so my number three and this one is probably going to surprise nobody but i really like the designs of the aliens now we never know what these aliens are they don't get a name they don't really have a language that gets translated well but they are some cool-looking aliens. They are. Their stuff is really cool-looking, even though the one, like, bomb part or the, the controller that Hoshi does looks like that old Simon game from the 80s where you'd have to yes. press the different colors of the notes. But <laughs> their transporter pad is so cool. Like, the first time I rewatched this and that appeared, I went, ooh, out loud, because it's so neat. And how cool is it that Hoshi, the linguist, is imagining... These super intricate like pieces of equipment that obviously have multiple layers of understanding on them because there's language and there's buttons and there's lights. And then the transporter pad has what's definitely at least symbols, if not language on it. This is all in her head. Mm. And the makeup design was great. The um, actors who played the aliens, they moved with like this serpentine motion. They were very snake-like and and fluid which i really thought was cool they had great gravelly voices they had cool makeup that extended through their fingernails which you can see on those close-up shots awesome i love a good alien design and i this one was well done well i can't believe you didn't say anything about the aliens uniform exposing (laughs) their midriff like it's it's in the aliens now (laughs) <laughs> yeah there might be a thing about midriff and my decans coming okay. up <laughs> <laughs> but the costumes the fabric of those costumes 
super, super cool. And yes, we, we do see some, you know, alien midriffs coming. <laughs> yeah, but but to be serious, to your point, these are interesting aliens because these are the aliens, the antagonists that Hoshi would dream up. We, yeah. you know, we've offended their cultural, you know, their their historical sites, and now we can't even understand them no matter what. Like, there's just a lack of understanding is the whole, you know, impetus for this conflict. And what do they want to do? They just want to blow us up. There's no talking. There's no diplomacy. There's there's, you know, all Hoshi can be is an action hero. She can't use what she, her strength that she wants to use, right? And so that's an interesting kind of um, trick that her brain is playing on her. And it mm-hmm. is revealing a lot of her fears and, and what she's, what, what she sees her places in the world and how she solves problems. Her brain will not give that to her because this is her worst nightmare. Yeah. She cannot tell anyone that they're about to die. She can't do anything to save the day except for, you know, mess with a little bomb, which is like a Reed thing to do or, or a Tucker thing to do. So, yeah, I love, I love that kind of um, reversal of what Hoshi is expecting of herself. I love that even her subconscious or unconscious brain, however you want to put that is giving her challenges. Like that's Hoshi. She, always rises to the challenge and she actually secretly loves them so well and you know being a linguist she's probably loves puzzles yeah and so this is just kind of giving that mental puzzle as she's materializing yeah it's a mental puzzle while materializing i i I like that (laughs) oh yeah her puzzle pieces are coming together yeah while she is puzzling through this there you go nice so after that dad joke, let's pass it back to you, Chris, for your third pro. So I had to choose that kind of emotional scene with Trip in the Jeffrey's tube and Hoshi's listening. And he just says, you know, they 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 think they found some remains from her. And he's like, why is she here? And, he, you know, Flox goes away and he's just like, Hoshi. You can see me? I should have made you go first. What could I have been thinking leaving you down there? I was the ranking officer. I had no business leaving a subordinate in the path of those storms. Why didn't you listen to me? I told you we'd be safe. And now look what you've done. And just this regret, and he's talking about himself as a leader, as a senior officer. We don't get to see this serious trip, this remorse, this mourning. Um, And then frustration. He's like, why didn't you listen to me? I told you we'd be safe. And now look what you've done. And like in that moment of loss and frustration and fear, like he's putting it out on her. But I think Connor Trenier really performed that well, that his words are saying one thing, but he doesn't actually mean that in the end. So I really thought that was a great performance um, from Connor Trenier. And it shows again, that trip Hoshi relationship, at least from her point of view, what kind of man he is and how he would be processing this, this loss. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. And I like, 
I like thinking about how even in universe, the the crew members know that Trip is the heart of the ship. He's the one who's going to mm. say and do all the emotions that the rest of them don't always show or do or so I, I just think that he's the perfect one. And after we have seen that mess hall scene where they're joking around and the transporter room scene and them down on the planet, like he was the perfect person in this episode because he strung that relationship tent poles throughout and you, you believe it. And then at the end, when she's coming back into the real world and there he is, and he's the one who kind of grabs her and talks her down and that trust is there quicker because they have this kind of relationship. So how cool to see that she knows that even in her subconscious. Absolutely. All right. So after all of that, I know we have a few decons. So these are the parts of the episode that just didn't gel with us, whether they be big things or small things or goofy things. Chris, let's start with you this time. What do you got for us? Well, I kind of already said one um, in the cold open. Why can the transporter, they're not afraid of scattering their molecules through the interference of this megastorm. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, so that didn't make sense at all. The episode shouldn't have happened. But it did. So the next decon is only one. I only have one more. None of it happened. Yeah. None of it happened. Like, I was genuinely frustrated at the end. Because we had all these like my pros list was t up to nine by the time I got to the end, you know, before that reveal. And I knew something, I knew something was coming. I forgot exactly what was going on. Um, you know, you hear their voices, Hoshi, Hoshi, hang on, you know, things like that. But I was just ignoring that and just enjoying these relationship moments in the mess hall, but none of it happened. So that's my yeah. decon. That's very frustrating. The only thing that, like, I'm trying to think of this from a writer's point of view, how this get out of the writer's room, you know, because what's the story? There's not a story if nothing happened. And the yeah. story is Hoshi's perception and what Hoshi's mind is doing to herself, creating barriers for herself and revealing what her greatest fears are. But I, I did not get that until we were talking just now. And you know, you know what I mean? Like you have to really yeah. dig to get that. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm an English teacher. So I think we should be participants in creating our fiction with the author, but there was, it was asking too much. There wasn't enough commentary on that kind of um, story, that theme being, being developed. And I don't even know if it was developed. That might just be me. So, um, yeah, that's my big decon. It didn't happen. So if it didn't happen, there wasn't a story, um, <laughs> which is challenging because there's an episode of Star Trek here without a story. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I agree. I feel like it feels like, like cheating and it feels it's just disappointing. And we as Trek fans can do a lot with alternate universes and, you know, time travel and all these other things to, to, to change and to show and to make things happen that never really happened. But this one, 
like my mom watched Dallas when I was a kid and there was a whole season that turned out to be in somebody's dream. And I remember how mad she was going, Oh Oh. my God, I was so invested and it was all a dream. And I, that I think about that every time I watch this episode, just, Mm. you know, it is, it's just disappointing because it just feels like they ran out of ideas of what to do. Like, and yes, it's a great exploration of Hoshi, but a lot of my decons kind of fall into that same thing. Like, well, it wasn't real, so I guess this is okay. And I guess this wasn't, it wasn't real, but. So maybe we'll just slide into mine if you were done with yours. Yes, go ahead. Okay, so let's let's do a couple of my, well, I guess this is okay because it wasn't real. So first of all, <laughs> if you watch the mess hall dinner when they're eating, and glorious food as always, but Malcolm has like a mountain of steak and potatoes yeah, and does. something else you can't quite see. And I guess it's okay because this is not real. It's about a what two minute and 15 second scene. He gets up to leave and they all like leave some of their plates, but his is almost gone. And I'm like, oh my God, how <laughs> fast did that man eat? But again, it wasn't real. So it it's okay, right? Like this was not the important detail for Hoshi's brain was how much Malcolm was leaving on his plate. Hmm. So then, okay, how Flox picks up Hoshi's remains. Holy cow, a wooden stick and a paper <laughs> envelope. And he takes some of the goo, not all of the goo, even. <laughs> so, like, if this was all that was left of Hoshi and it's like a silly putty egg's worth of goo and he takes, like, a dime, what's happening to the rest of her? Like, and why are we putting it in a paper envelope? Like, no, 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 no. This is not how we collect samples of things. Like, come on now. <laughs> and, and so, but it's okay because it didn't really happen. It was in her brain, right? She doesn't know how Flux picks up samples. Maybe this is, you know, what she would imagine him doing. And maybe her parents would appreciate a nice folded paper envelope kind of thing. I don't oh, know. gosh. Okay, so then, <laughs> anyways, so then again, we have people telling her just forget the universal translator and talk to them okay that's not how language works like and we've heard that in other star trek series with other linguists as well you know you can't just tell somebody talk to them it how would she know that vocabulary how would she possibly grammar (laughs) yeah with even if the ut gave her half of it you just don't have your that doesn't work even the little bit that she tried to do so Nope, but again, it was in her head. So, and then my my last one before we get to my one big thing is, okay, Linda Park has the most gorgeous hair, but before she starts to do this workout, she takes it out of the ponytail. You don't take your hair out of a ponytail exactly. before you work out. You put it up in the ponytail before you work out. Like, I understand you wanted to show that she has this beautiful long hair that's always tied back when she's on duty. Fine. When she was sleeping in the gym overnight, she could have taken her ponytail out and everyone would have been fine with that. You would not have missed anything with her keeping it in. And the realism just broke for me there. I'm like, no, nobody with long hair works out with it down. <laughs> That's just dumb. So I'm a guy again, and I had the same exact reaction. I was like, what's happening? Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> like, are we supposed to feel that it's that weird that she's not even going to do that? So Anyway, so that's all my, well, okay, it was just in her head. And then my one other con, besides what I completely agree with you, is that it feels 
like this episode was chapped off at the end by being that real was there's so much naked back naked midriff the eight like you said hello the aliens <laughs> why are we seeing midriffs why is hoshi not keeping on her little tracksuit shirt or why when she was sleeping all night did she not get cold and zip it back like i understand this was her ratings she is absolutely a stunning woman and looks great in her workout gear but it just gets tedious and i'm gonna point it out every time because i think if we were doing it now we would do it better and that's a good thing mm. that we have had progress so so for me that's I don't it know that's why. my list <laughs> I, I don't know why that the Hoshi stuff didn't seem gratuitous to me. It didn't bother me at all. I don't know why. I, I can't explain why um, the shower didn't bother me because in the shower, that's when she's noticing the water going through her. Like there's story being done that she has to be in the shower here to, and, and it's, it's furthering the story. I feel like often with T'Pol, it's just, it is only just for ratings. Okay, but this shower scene. Yeah. <laughs> this shower scene. So when she first goes in, there is no reason that she couldn't have done that entire mirror thing where she's looking at her um her her mole or her birthmark on her cheek with her bathrobe still on. Like she could have had her bathrobe still on. It was all face up. Why did we need that? We didn't. Like it's just See, I don't even there. recall that. I don't even recall that. I think I just blocked right. it all out. <laughs> <laughs> do you when she got into the shower did you notice now there are the like textured glass yeah. or, so you you don't see any of the big things but did you notice that that scene followed her feet and went all the way up the entire length of her body till you got to her head and you could see shadow and shape the entire way up instead of just showing her you know, in the shower or getting in, we did the entire full body mm. pan. Like we wouldn't do that anymore because why? Yeah, yeah, you're totally right. And I'm I just missed all of that. I don't know. Yeah, you're totally right. Take it all back. Stop it. Enterprise. <laughs> no, and, Come on. And it's okay, like that you don't notice, but now that you do, you're gonna see it more. And you know what? We've grown from there. So that's okay. It it shows a mark of progress, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that's definitely a big decon. For sure. Well, at least the aliens are in on it this time, so it's fair. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is a pro and a decon all in one. Sure is. <laughs> so we have come to the time where we are going to go back to the positive and discuss our favorite parts of the episode, our Porthos picks. And I didn't hear any dogs bark before, so... I think we get to talk about two more new things here. So, Chris, what's your Porthos pick for this episode? Well, I, I've kind of said it, but I'll say it again. In her head, Hoshi overcomes her fear and steps on a transport transported pad, right? Willingly. Mm -hmm. And and this is that button scene with Archer and her in sickbay trying to provide meaning for this thing that didn't actually happen <laughs> but you said you stepped onto the aliens transporter by choice i was trying to save enterprise sounds like you overcame your fear it's all in my head remember does it matter you were afraid of getting lost afraid of disappearing 
but you still climbed onto that platform, real or not. If it's all the same to you, sir, I'd like to stick to shuttle pods for the time being. Come on. Let's go to the bridge. Captain, <clears throat> if you don't mind. You know, we we need a compelling reason to push beyond our fears is a good quote from it. So um, that's our Star Trek moment. It's a weak one because it's not supported by events that happened for real. Um, but it is kind of growth for the character. So that's my Porthos pick. That's, that's a lovely one. And, you know, I feel like a lot of the things that... I liked about this episode were either those big kind of nebulous things or those teeny little detail things. And this mm. was a nice way to kind of put that all in one. Yeah. I struggled with this one because I looked for the Star Trek moment and, and the Star Trek moment definitely came at the end, but it's, <laughs> I felt like someone added it on to the end to try and bring meaning <laughs> to what happened in uh, anyway. But yeah, I, I like that. I mean, it's a great lesson um that we need to have a good reason to push beyond our fear and she had it to save her crew yeah well that kind of segues nicely into my porthos pick which also kind of encompasses that that last scene there because my porthos for this episode is the deeper look that we get into the hoshi and archer relationship now even if the majority of this stuff doesn't happen except for in her head what a cool thing for her to know how much she means to him and mm. even in her head she is comfortable enough to talk to him in her bathrobe which was another choice for me like yeah. he comes to her quarters to check on her she's in her bathrobe we find out later that that's it but she's cool enough to like talk to him and to when she's feeling flustered and overwhelmed to just say, yeah, you're right. I, I know I need to, to get myself together and have some rest. And then later it's, she apologizes when she can't translate this because she doesn't want to disappoint him. And yeah. he, you know, immediately right back, you don't know you need to apologize, Ensign, but you can hear and she knows he's, he's very disappointed and almost angry. And that, that is the hardest thing for her to to have that. You see that on her face when she's standing there and Paul is just kind of waiting and she's so defeated. And that's just, mm. but then later when he calls her dad, so hello, Buck Bakai, by the way, mm. Um, later when he calls her dad and she's imagining him having so much trouble saying this and that Archer thinks of her like family, like this, this is such a cool look at their relationship. And then I agree that the last scene feels tacked on, but what I do like about it is that it shows a bit of their actual real world relationship. Yeah. And it is what she imagined. It's consistent. And that that's really, re yeah, it's consistent and that's reinforcing. And that is nice to see that, that she doesn't exaggerate any of his qualities that that they really are that that close i love that they knew each other from way before this mission even and you can see that in this episode and i like that yeah i really do i mean that's one of my favorite parts of the pilot him going to get her from her her class and yeah and the, that they just have this history and i wish that was leaned on more um but yeah i mean obviously 
this is the strength of the episode the the beginning and the end the things that were real the trip and hoshi scene in the cave archer and hoshi scene at the end um really exposing that she is a really important person to these people accessing library computer data here on first light we love trivia and behind the scenes tidbits so we pick a few to share about each episode so abby why don't i start tonight go for it all right so i this is so small but it is such a really cool thing just like in um, Singularity, we have the beginning of Red Alert. In Vanishing Point, we have the beginning of the slang term beam, right? This, is, this episode establishes that Hoshi Sato initiated the convention of using the word beam as a verb, and I love that. Malcolm's recommending some new transport protocols to Starfleet. He's suggesting we start compressing the transport beam. Well, I hope you don't plan on beaming me anywhere for a long time. That's a linguist's dream to affect language like that. So that is so cool that that got given to Hoshi. Absolutely. I'm beaming. <laughs> nice. Uh, okay. What, 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 did you, what did you get? All right. So I've got two this time. One that I think is really cool and one that just so enterprise but i have been looking a lot at the titles of the episodes mm. recently and so the term vanishing point for this one in art it refers to the point at which two lines converge and appear to disappear so it could very well be a double pun referring to hoshi's fears about her birthmark disappearing mm. i mean that's not confirmed but I just think that's really cool. And perhaps I'm reading too much into it, but I'm not the only one. So mm. we're going to go with that's a cool little one there. And this is one that just makes me laugh because this is the episode where you can see that Trip is totally fake eating because he swallows several times, but still somehow continues to chew <laughs> afterwards without putting any more food in his mouth. Like the whole time he's on the comm. And I'm like, man, and you know, if I was on the comm, I would probably just like, Stop chewing, hold the food in my mouth if I happen to get a call during lunch or whatever. But, you know, I guess if you're not actually chewing anything, it doesn't make a loud noise. <laughs> so it's just fun because it's another one of those ones where I love to watch the food in Enterprise. And I like to see, because I've heard interviews with the actors saying, oh, well, I try to eat just the this on the plate or just the that because this gets gross or this is something I can eat 400 times and not hate it. And I was trying to watch and see what he ate over and over again, but he ate nothing. So it was just funny. <laughs> we we definitely watched this show differently. <laughs> which which is well, perfect. Again. This is perfect for a podcast, right? These different details. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So on that note and those giggles, it has come to the time for final thoughts and grappler ratings. So, Chris, on the scale of one to ten grapplers with half grapplers possible, how do you rate the episode? Oh, 4.5 grapplers. Oof. Yeah. You know, if it was, if it really happened, it probably would have been like a 6.5 to a 7. Um, you know, nothing amazing, but just solid, good. Um, but yeah, it 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 hurt it hurts me that we lost out on a real Hoshi episode. You know what I mean? Yeah. It hurts me. 
because we don't get a lot of those. So yeah, 4.5 for um, being faked out at the end there. Despite all the great character moments, that didn't really happen. <laughs> yeah, we're on a similar wavelength because I I didn't go quite as low, but it really does. Like it takes the wind out of you at the end there. And I I wish that this had been stuff that not just Hoshi would remember because it wouldn't have been just Hoshi in her brain. So after all of that, I love some of the moments. I liked the humor. There were definitely parts of this that were fantastic, yes. but it's only a 5.5 for me because it's just kind of ugh, at the end and it's frustrating and I don't want to be left with my feeling frustrated after my Star Trek. Yeah. And it just, it just occurred to me like far beyond the stars is similar that the whole story yeah. with Ben, it didn't happen with Benny Russell. And all those character interactions and the relationships that we grew to, you know, love and and her, her, and all those kind of things, yeah. right? But that didn't bother me because they were never real. You know, when, right. when he returns to his crew, he didn't have this whole alternate, you know, e adventure with them. Um, it, it, you know, it was it was it didn't happen, but it didn't happen with him. We weren't faked out, I guess. We knew it wasn't real the whole time so um just i'm still trying to process what my issue is with this and i think that's what it is like yeah. we love these characters we want to see them interacting get all these moments and then the moments were pulled away from us so that's why mine's a 4.5 yours is a 5.5 and i think both scores are pretty darn fair so before we wrap up can we do a recap of our pros for this episode vanishing point absolutely all right here are mine my first pro was hoshi's mini arc in this episode and how it mirrors her bigger arc in the series my number two was the reoccurring cyrus ramsey joke we'll go madison <laughs> my number three was the alien design and how hoshi imagined these Super cool looking aliens and all their super cool looking stuff. And my Porthos pick was the look that we got on Hoshi's view with her relationship with Archer. So how about you, Chris? Recap for us. Yeah, those are good ones. My first one is the Flox Hoshi scene where Flox makes the dad joke. Oh, I uh, didn't see you come in here or something like that. Um, then mm -hmm. the Moody Piano, just that excellent scoring simple moody piano it's recurring in enterprise and then my third pick was hoshi trip scene where trip kind of lays out his mourning and his frustration with um, his loss of hoshi and then my porthos pick is that hoshi overcame her fears and steps on that alien transporter pad and maybe this is that vanishing point in your title analysis, like the two fears, fear of transporter, fear of the crew being lost, they converge and they disappear and she's courageous in that moment. Um, so yeah, I like that, nice. that last talk with Archer and that's my Porthos pick. Great choices all around. And, you know, I love that even when we get to an episode of Enterprise that we're just kind of like, yeah, this one is not my favorite and i don't think it's that great there are still that many good things to talk about yeah it's not bad until no. the rug is pulled out 
You you know, exactly. and even like yeah, like there's episodes of TNG that are just bad. <laughs> there's episodes of TOS that are just bad. I can't watch them. This isn't this this is enjoyable until the end. So yeah, there's always something good we can find in it too. Absolutely. My chronometer's running backwards, sir. Incoming transmission. You read my letter? Well, you know what else is good? We love getting feedback from listeners. That's really, really something that we adore. And for our next episode, we will be doing a mailback episode where we share and discuss your insights and your ideas, maybe your pros. So we have had lots of chats on social media with so many of you parrots and can't wait to share some of our favorite tidbits. So this is your last call for any grappler ratings, Porthos picks, or just general comments. Just send them to us um, so we can include them in our mailbag episode. Yes, please do reach out to us and share any thoughts or smiles that you have for us. And I totally second the carrot balls. You know that's coming up on the mailbag. <laughs> that is all me. And thank you, First Flight Family, for making me feel vindicated in my love of the carrot balls. So you can reach us if you want to give us carrot ball or any other feedback at First Flight Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're also on YouTube under the Tricorder Transmissions Network. You can reach me personally at Abby M. Summer. That's S-O-M-M-E-R on Twitter. Chris, what's best to reach you? Well, you can reach me on Twitter at Shelf Nerds or on my YouTube channel, Completing the Shelf. And everyone else, the carrot balls are in your court. You claim the Andorians are inflexible. At least they're willing to sit down and talk. The ball's in your court now. It's a human expression. It means the next move is yours. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't resist. Oh, that was perfection. <laughs> perfection. And if you don't know what we're talking about, go back to the episode Dead Stop and uh, keep your eyes peeled for those carrot balls. So we want to thank you for spending this time with us and hopefully laughing at all of our silly little jokes that we've had going on tonight. We will be back next time with our very first mailbag episode of season two. Can't wait. And as always, we leave you with this quote from Captain Jonathan Archer and your moment of Melanie. The most profound discoveries are not necessarily beyond that next star. They're within us, woven into the threads that bind us, all, all of us, us, to each, each other. other.